Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Trapping Anonymous. Um, thank you all for keeping this movement moving and um, keeping us to where we at, keeping us viral on all these channels and publications. And please follow Trapping Anonymous on Instagram, at Chris Styles on Instagram. The love and the support, you know, I can't even quantify it and put it into words how much everybody means to me. Um, I've been waiting on this episode for a while. I'm, I'm so happy that we're able to break these stories and bring it to you first from our communities and um, just give us those those warning signs and things to look out for. To remember that this story that you'll hear does reflect real life. Um, it is here to educate and uh, possibly keep your little homie off the streets. It's only entertainment. Please don't get me indicted. My name is Chris Styles. Let's get it. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, how I start every episode is your name and uh, why you, it's important that you're here telling your story. My name is April. Um, it's important to tell this story because uh, this is real life for me. Um, and this is something that was so unexpected um, that it's almost unbelievable and surreal. Right. Um, so I want people to be aware of possible situations that could happen that they could come across um, that could relate to what I went through. Take me to the day of this horrific incident. Uh, so I had a friend over the prior night before. Um, it was early in the morning. Me and my friend were asleep in the bed um, in my room in the basement. I was renting a room. My room was in the basement. Um, a gentleman knocked on the door to my room. He was already in the house. He knocked on the door to my room and said maintenance. I went back to sleep. I didn't think anything of it. Um, he knocked again, maybe five or 10 minutes later and said that there was a flood in the kitchen that immediately alerted me. Um, I got up, I opened the door and no one was there. So I went up the steps to the kitchen. Um, immediately after I took the, maybe my second step around the corner, I was snatched up by my hair and held at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. um, he told me, don't make any noise, don't say anything, or I'm a, he literally said, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Um, I immediately put my hands up. Mm. I was just looking at the ground, shaking, confused. I couldn't believe that it was really happening. Um, he then, tried to put me into the shared laundry room. Um, at that point, I'm thinking about everyone else in the house um, that were also, you know, renting rooms. I'm thinking about 
my comfortability in such a crazy situation. Yeah. Um, so I told him that my bathroom was right there. Uh, so he puts me into my bathroom. Um, the light in the bathroom was on and he stands in front of me with the gun right in front of me uh, to my face. And he says, "Where? where's the money at? I'm like, I, I don't have any money. Right. Um, he then hits me upside the head with the gun and was like, stop fucking lying. Where's the money at? So I said, it's downstairs. Because at this point, I just want to tell him what he, what he wants to hear. Yeah, whatever, it's money you know, to Just to keep my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the gun is loaded or not. Um, he then asked me how many people were downstairs. I told him one. He thought I was lying again. He hits me upside the head with the gun again. I said, I'm not lying. There's only one person downstairs, which was the truth. And he then tells me to get on my knees. And he duct tapes my ankles. He handcuffs me behind my back and duct tapes around my whole head to cover my eyes and duct tapes my mouth. He told me, you know, don't move, don't don't try to run. And he said, he whispered in my ear, don't worry, I'm not gonna rape you. So immediately I'm thinking he's gonna rape me. Um, but I just sat there and he left the bathroom. Um, he was, I guess, you know, downstairs or, for some time, um, then he comes back to the bathroom. He takes the tape off of my ankles and stands me up. He takes me downstairs and told me to move quiet and to walk slow. So as we're going down the steps, he's behind me with the gun. I'm walking down the steps. He's walking down behind me with the gun and I hear my friend asking like, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? Like, are you okay? And I'm nodding my head cause I couldn't talk cause there was still duct tape on my mouth. Um, he tells us both to shut the fuck up. Don't talk to each other. So he then rips my shirt off and tells me to lay down on my stomach. He pulls my shorts off. So I'm completely naked at this point. Hmm. But I'm still duct taped around my eyes, still duct taped at the mouth, and I'm still handcuffed. Um, he, he took the handcuffs off of me to be able to remove the pieces of my shirt. Um, and then he handcuffed me back. He then pulls me, he pulls me back out of the room by my hair. And there was a, um, 
like a maintenance room across, like a storage room across from my room. But every door had a key code to it. So he he's like, what's the fucking code to this room? And I'm, I'm like, I don't know. That's the, the maintenance, like, you're maintenance, right? You, how do you not have the code? He was the maintenance guy. Yes. So you, you recognized him? Yes. You've seen him before? I've seen him before. I recognize his voice, all of that. Yeah, I ever had another interaction? Yes. And what was that interaction? Um, just him doing work around the house. Um, like he came and cut the grass. Um, I had seen him walking from the store one day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was kind of just regular, like yeah. he, but he didn't wear like a uniform or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I, I had no longer seen the previous maintenance man. So it was easy for me to think like, okay, he might not work here anymore. They must have someone new. If you could describe his build. Uh, he was really tall. He was like 6'4". Wow. 6'4". Um, cocky. About 250 pounds, close to 300 pounds. Wow. Okay. Okay, so he says, what's the code? You don't have the code, obviously. I don't have the code to it, so... Um, he's still, you know, grabbing me by my hair, and he's got my head, like, down by the door, and he's like... What's, what's the code? And I, I tell him, I don't know. So he pulls me back into my room. And um, he sits me down on my knees and he sits in front of me with his legs open. And um, he starts telling me, like, I'm going to make you give me head. And if you bite me, I don't care because I'm going to kill you anyways. So I just didn't say nothing. Um, I, just, I was just sitting there. And then he sits me up and he tells me to turn around and bend over. So uh, at this point, I'm still completely naked. Um, he then tells me to like shake my ass while he's directly behind me. And then um, I hear him like, doing stuff around the room. He's moving around the room at this point, And then he comes back over behind me because I could, I could feel like his legs on my feet behind me. So he then starts pouring something on me, which felt like, like baby oil. And he's like rubbing it all over my butt. And then he starts rubbing my vagina And he starts fingering me. And smacking my smacking my butt. And um he's still telling me to, you know, like shake your ass or, you know, like move this way, sit this way, and stuff like that. Um so I'm just doing what he's telling me to do. 
And then finally, um, he stops. He sits me up. And um, I could smell weed, like, strong. You know, like, it's close by me. I could smell it. Um, he's rolling up a fucking blunt. Mm. Like, like, he's chilling. And your friend is duct tape handcuffed on the floor. On the other side of the room. Are you still blindfolded at this point? Yes. So he starts, I can smell, you know, the smoke from the weed. He starts smoking. And he tells me, he takes the tape off of my mouth and he tells me to hit the blunt. And I'm like, I'm shaking my head no. And I was like, I don't smoke weed. And he forces the blunt in my mouth, like, smoke, smoke this, you know, smoke this. So I, I hit it one time and then um like I start to feel my body like get high, like and then I I don't remember exactly of what like what I said, but I let him know like that there was liquor on the other side because at this point I'm I'm paranoid because I'm mm. high mm. and I don't smoke weed. So I'm even more freaked out than what I already was. So I tell him about the alcohol. If you, I'm sorry to interject for a second. If you could think about the mentality, what are you thinking about as this is going on? What is it like for someone to tell you you're about to die and you believe them? What is it like? What is your mind? What, what? Um, pray to God. Ooh. That's the only thing I could do. Ooh. I couldn't fight back. I couldn't, I couldn't call for help. All I could do was pray. I couldn't even cry. But I knew in that moment, I had to be strong. Thank you. I knew in that moment I had to be strong because he's just a man. Mm. And God is always in control. So I knew if I made it out that I I would have still defeated him hmm. by just being here another day. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, Abraham. Oh man. Okay. So um, he takes. Uh, you tell him about the liquor because you know, at this point, my nerves was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so he. He pours the liquor in my mouth. And then at this point, I'm starting to gag because he didn't stop. He just pours it all over me, all down in front of me. Um, so I, I pull myself together and um, 
I hear my friend ask for a cigarette because I used to smoke cigarettes. And um, he, uh, I guess he had went through my purse and all my things. So he, he goes and gives him a cigarette. Um, so sick. Um, he gives him a cigarette. He lights it up for him and everything while he's laying on the ground. And um, he just, you, your friend is panicking, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, you just ask for alcohol just to sort of con. He asks for a cigarette. And this man takes it, lights it. Like, Don't like, worry. he know it's like your, your final request. Wow. Like, he, he doesn't care because he already knows what he's going to do. Mm. Um, so he gave him that cigarette and, um, he comes back over to me and starts touching on me again, rubbing my vagina, fingering me, and pouring more baby oil on me. And, um, after that, he, um, he gets my phone and he gets my friend's phone and he asks for the code to my phone and to my friend's phone. So he's going through my phone at this point, I guess, I don't know, trying to see if I had anything in there, money, cash app, whatever. Um, he asked for the code to the girl upstairs to her room. It was another young lady that stayed upstairs the same age as me. She's 25 as well. Ooh. And um, he asked for the code to her room. And I told him I didn't know it. And he hit me upside the head with the gun because he didn't believe me. And I, I told him again, I said, I don't, everyone has a different code. I don't know the code to her room. Why would you know the code to someone else? Like, what? But at this point, you know, I'm like, he's like, he's trying to do as much as he can. You know, he's been praying on us mm. while he's been working here. So it just so happened that I was the one that came out of the room first. And this is early in the morning. Early in the morning. Like, had to have been like seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and I had work that day as well. So. As he's going through my phone still, he starts going through my pictures. And I know because he asked, who, are, who is this little girl in the pictures? And I'm like, that's my daughter. And he's like, when does she come back? I'm like, Friday. And I'm telling the truth, you know? And he's like, oh. He thinks I'm lying, he hits me in the head with the gun again. And he's like, when did she come back? I said, Friday. I'm not lying, you could look, you have my phone. Like, look at the messages. 
Um, thank God she wasn't there. Because I don't know what would happen. And so, um, then, um, I hear him taking pictures. And then, I don't know what he's taking pictures of. I'm just assuming at this point, but I just hear the camera keep going off. And then it stops and he cuts on the TV and turns the volume up real loud. So I'm thinking I'm about to die and nobody's gonna hear me screaming. So, At this point, he goes upstairs. I guess, you know, I don't know what he was doing or what, but he was upstairs for a while. Um, before he had went upstairs, he had put me on the bed, like on my stomach um, and put a pillow like under my chest. And then he put a pillowcase over my head with the duct tape still on me. Cause I feel like he thought I could see, which I could a little bit um, under the tape. Um, so then he went upstairs. So at this point I'm laying on the bed and I had to be real bad. Um, and he came back downstairs and I tell him I have to pee. I told him I had to pee and I'm thinking he's gonna take me upstairs, but he pulls me over to where my friend is laying on the floor and tells me to squat and made me pee right like next to him, pretty much on him. And then he laid me back on the bed and he went back upstairs but this time he was upstairs longer. Hmm. So at this point I'm disgusted. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this situation without being hurt. Um, I noticed that the handcuffs was kind of loose. So I wiggled out the handcuffs. Hmm. And um, I take all the duct tape off of me I then go and grab a pair of scissors and I try to take the duct tape off of my friend. Um, I got the duct tape off of his eyes, but he's still handcuffed and he still had duct tape around his ankles. Mm -hmm. In the middle of me taking the duct tape off of his eyes, the maintenance man walks back in. Oh my God. My, like, my heart literally like sank to the bottom of the ocean, like to hell, like my heart dropped so bad. But I seen exactly what he had on. I seen exactly what he looked like. And that was like more confirmation that this is who Ooh. I thought it was. Right, right, right. And so um, 
he tells me, he said, oh, you fucked up now. I was just going to leave y'all tied up down here and, you know, then be about my way. But he's holding a gas can. So he's like, now I'm going to kill you. He was going to do that anyway. He was going to try anyway. Trying to fuck with your head. Yeah. So I walked back over there and I just sat down and let him handcuff me back up and duct tape me back up. And he's like, did you touch your phone? I'm like, no, I don't even know where my phone is, which is the truth. And um, then he he does the handcuffs even tighter this time, like to the point where my, my hands were numb. And I'm like asking them and like begging them, like, can you please just loosen them just a little bit? Cause my wrist hurt so bad. Like my hands, I can't feel my hands. So he loosened them a little bit. My friend, he asked for another cigarette. He gives him another cigarette. And then he, my friend also says that his handcuffs are really tight too. So he loosens his a little bit too. And then he lays me on the bed again. Is his mouth not duct taped? Uh, or you had ripped it off when you was like, how was he able to communicate? He was like talking through, through the, the tape. tape. Got you, got yeah. you, got you. So it was like muffled. Yeah, it was like muffled, and um, like that's how we both had to communicate with him, like through the duct tape. The mm -hmm. only way I could even get the tape off of my lips was through like, like literally spitting in the tape to mm -hmm. loosen, loosen it off of the saliva. Yeah, so that's how I was able to talk. Um, when I needed to say something, but he comes back over, he throws me on the bed and he lays over top of me. And he tells me in my ear, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut you up. He said, and I shouldn't even be telling you this. He was like, but if I took you to Mississippi, he was like, I could, I could make $10,000 off of you in a day. And he starts describing my vagina, mm. talking about you have a fat vagina, and girls will make a lot of money. He was like, you can make a lot of money. He was like, I don't know why you fucking with these broke niggas. He was like, this nigga right here don't even got no money. Mm. He down here crying. And then he starts talking to my friend, and he like, She's strong, like, she's not even crying. She hasn't cried the whole time. Mm. And so now I'm just, like, scared that I'm about to get put in a van or something, like, and never see the light of day again. And you could hear your friend sobbing. Mm-hmm. I could hear him crying. Wow. And he sits me up on the bed, and I hear him pull out, uh, like, a pocket knife. And he takes the knife and goes down my back diagonal. And then he laid me down on my stomach and cuts the back of my leg the same way. And then he lifts me up by my hair 
Well, no. Before he did that, he pulled me down off the bed and he sits on top of me and starts smothering me. Hmm. Like smothering me at least like a minute and then he stops. And I catch a breath, like catch a breath. But then he sits back on top of me again and does it again for like the same amount of time. And I'm thinking, I'm praying the whole time in my head, I'm just praying to God, like, if this is my last breath, like, please, like, please take care of my soul. Like, I'm just praying the whole time because at this point, there's nothing I can do. And so a third time he tries to smother me again this time I started like moving and trying to fight back, trying to get from under him. And I guess he got fed up, so he stopped. And then I laid there and just accepted like, this is, this is, I'm about to die. But then he sits me up and he grabs like a cord or something. That's what it felt like. He sits me up and starts strangling me with the cord. Mm. Um, once he did that, I don't even remember how long it was because at this point I'm starting to get weak. And so he stopped strangling me and I just fell forward, like on my knees, just fell forward. And I'm still handcuffed, still duct tape, everything. And, um, he could hear me breathing, you know, real loud. So he's like, shut the fuck up. Stop making all that noise. So I tried to like get my breathing together because I didn't know what he was about to do next. And that's when he put me on the bed and pulled me up by the back of my head, by my hair, and put the knife at my neck and just started cutting my neck. And that's when I just sat there and I didn't cry, I didn't scream. I just was praying to God. And after that, he took the handcuffs off of me. Did you feel it? Well, at first I felt the initial, and then after that, I just went numb. Like, I couldn't feel anything after that. So he took the handcuffs off of me. But you knew what was happening when he was cutting? Mm-hmm. You couldn't feel it, but you knew. Mm-hmm. I was conscious. I was aware. Right, right, right. I just was I'm sorry, numb. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he took the handcuffs off of me. Um, at this point, he's moving around the room. I hear a lot of like shuffling and moving. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't hear my friend anymore. I'm thinking he's dead. So I knew at this moment that the handcuffs were off of me. He takes the duct tape off of me, off of my eyes, off of my mouth. And I knew at this moment 
it was critical to save my life oh. that I had to play dead. And so I played dead. And he pulls me off the bed. So now I'm laying on the floor on my stomach and he drags me across the room. And um You're just lifeless. Yeah, I'm weak, like weak. So at this point I'm just like drooling. I'm you know, my eyes were like heavy, like so heavy. And I'm just waiting for him to set the room on fire. So he comes over, cause he dragged me across the room. He comes back over to me and lifts me up by my shoulder and looks at my neck and my face, I guess, to see if I was gonna react. And I didn't, I'm still playing dead. So he drops me down, my head hits the ground, everything. Mm, mm. And like, as he's walking around and stuff the room, he steps on my head, like just carelessly, you know, I guess trying to see if I'm going to react, but I just didn't react. With the full weight of his body. Mm-hmm. And after that, I start smelling gasoline. Um, I could hear him pouring the gasoline in my face. On the on the ground, just felt like like it was burning, like, cause it was so like just so much going on, and I felt like my face was melting off, and so then I'm just waiting for him to light the fire. He lights the fire, you could hear it, woof, the whole room. I lit completely up from head to toe in flames, but I'm not handcuffed and I'm not duct taped. So why did he take the handcuffs and the duct tape off of you? Cause he had, he had a motive this wasn't going to be the, the only time that he did this. Wow. He, he, he needed, needed souvenirs. He needed. Yeah. For the next victim. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, sorry. So, um, the whole room lit up, I lit up on fire. I immediately rolled over and jumped up and started patting the flames out. Um, At this point, you could see? Yeah. You could move? Yes. Okay. So. You don't see your friend? I don't see him at all. Um, I looked around the room quickly. I see everything on fire and it's like, so dark because it was so much smoke mm. that I couldn't really see anything but the flames. But I know I didn't see him and I didn't hear him. So I began trying to get out the window and my window was very high up because I'm in the basement and there was a board in front of the window. So I had to pull the board down. I stepped on like a box that I had and pulled myself up and opened the window. As I'm climbing out the window, I hear a voice coming from the closet. I think I'm tripping. Your I, neck is bleeding. You yes, just been like, set on I'm, fire. I'm so in shock that I don't know what's real and what's not right now. So I hear a voice and I, I'm thinking nothing of it. I'm still trying to get out the window. Then I hear him say, like, 
like where are you at you know and i'm telling him the room is on fire the room is on fire and i'm screaming help help i'm screaming at the top of my lungs and he then tells me like like go ahead get out the get out the window like get out the window so basically saying to leave him yeah so i'm screaming for help, screaming for help, because I wasn't going to leave him. Mm. It was no way that I could do that. So people start coming out of their houses, and I get out the window. I'm completely naked. Mm. My throat is cut open. At this point, I don't even realize the reality of what's going on. And people are just staring at me. Mm. And I'm still screaming, help. I'm just screaming, help, screaming, help. And um, I turn around to let them know, like, he's still in there. And more neighbors come out, more people come out. And now at this point, people are realizing that the house was on fire and they see what's going on. So uh, one of the neighbors comes over and my friend comes out of the closet on fire like his whole back was on fire his arms and everything and um we reach in the window and try to pat the fire out of him and me and the neighbor pull him out of the window you are still pulling him up mm -hmm. after everything and moving and helping mm -hmm. and Coherent. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> we get him out of the window, and um, the people upstairs that were in the building as well finally come to the front door. It was the older lady and, a, and the young lady that the maintenance man was asking about. But this is a house, right? It's a townhouse. It's a townhouse that they sectioned off each room. room. For? For rent. So each room, you know, has their own lease and things right. like that. Right. Um, their own key code. Mm -hmm. um, so they're standing in the doorway completely, like, don't understand what's going on at all. And I'm scream. I'm still screaming help. Like, I couldn't stop screaming. And... They're like, what? What happened? And I'm like, the maintenance. I, I, me and my friend both yelled, like the maintenance man. That's all we could say, because it was just so surreal. Mm -hmm. And I got so frustrated because I'm telling them the house is on fire and they're still standing in the doorway. Mm -hmm. So I sat on the steps. I sit on the steps. Because at this point, it's all these people staring at me. I'm completely naked. I've just been violated and tortured for over an hour and a half. Wow. And everybody's just staring. Like, so I sit on the step and I'm sitting there like this. And I, I was so embarrassed that I peed myself sitting on the steps. And... Finally, you know, I, I hear the sirens 
is people, you know, all on their phones calling and I hear the sirens and the fire department pulls up. Um, they immediately grab the ladder. I guess there was a young boy that was upstairs in one of the rooms by himself, but I have no idea. You know, I'm they're just putting out the fire and stuff. So I'm trying to get my friend out of the handcuffs. So I let them know, can we get him out of the handcuffs? I helped walk him across the street. And um, the firefighters, they say, ma'am, lift your head up. And I lift my head up because I, I don't even, at this point, I'm in medical shock. Mm. Like, I'm not just shocked. I'm literally shocked. So I have no idea that my neck is bleeding so much. And they grab me up and they're like, ma'am, you need to come with us. Um, I start freaking out. I'm like, I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad. And a lady let me use her phone to call my dad. I tell him the maintenance man tried to kill me. And I told him, I said, daddy, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. He slit my throat. And I gave him the address to the police. And I remember him asking me what hospital I was going to. And then after that, I don't really remember much. You were in a medical induced coma for two days. You wake up. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing you think. I couldn't believe I was alive. I couldn't believe I was alive. I was just telling my family how much they're on my mind, how much I love them. They were there? Mm-hmm. All around you? Mm-hmm. My mom got the first flight from Texas to be there. God is real. God is real. God is real. Um, do you speak to police at that point? You have to describe this man. We have to figure out where this guy is. He's on the loose. Yeah, he was still on the loose. So, um, they had to wait until I was stable on my medication um, to be able to talk to me while I was coherent. Um, so this was maybe like my third day in the hospital. Um, they spoke, they spoke to your friend? Yes. Okay. They spoke to him as well. Um, the detectives came and spoke to me. I picked him out of the, um, photograph lineup and I knew immediately that that was him. Um, no questions. And... They told me that they were doing their investigation and, you know, I was praying that he wouldn't be able to do this to anyone else. Uh, Jason Billingsley. Yes. Was convicted for sexual assault in 2009. 
2011, and sentenced in 2015 for an attack on Anne Marie Nieper. He got 16 years suspended from his sentence from a plea deal because the victim did not want to relive her trauma in court. He was released early in 2022 on good time credits. A year later, this happens to you. A repeat sexual assault, rape offender. How did they catch him? After he killed Pavel Lapierre, three days after he did this to me, she was found beat to death. And they caught him about two weeks, two and a half weeks or so after this happened to me. He was trying to um, catch a train out of PG County. They kept saying that they were close to catching him and they knew his whereabouts, but it took for a young lady to die for them to take it serious. I became a little obsessed with this case. I speak to a lot of people, I hear a lot of stories. This case has been with me for months. You and I have developed a friendship over those months. Um, Pava Lapierre, tech founder, CEO, Forbes 30, under 30, 26 years old, female entrepreneur. Found with blunt force trauma. Killed her and just left her there on a roof. They thought that she probably was been there for a couple of days. They got him on surveillance camera entering her home, waving her down. She comes to the front of the door of the building. They both enter an elevator. And on Monday morning, the job calls for a wellness check and they find her body. I guess then you get to see Jason's face in the news for the first time. For the first time. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I wondered was, well, when this happened to you, why wasn't his face everywhere? Or Took it even further than that. I looked up the article of your incident and I hardly found anything. I found the, the Baltimore banner. When I looked up her article, I couldn't find a news outlet that didn't cover it. CNN, New York Times, 
every, I, every single one. Court TV, crime, everything. So then I'm like, okay, well, someone lost their life. And then I'm like, wait. He set her home on fire, slit her throat, and left her to die. Everyone in the area should be on high alert. This man got away. Mm -hmm. uh, the police chief said that he treated this as an incident because you guys knew each other. Which was incorrect. They could actually that. They could actually get relation to this madman, which I'm sure they did. Mm -hmm. Why did they take your case seriously? I feel like it was treated as an, another Baltimore City crime, the same way that most cases get treated in Baltimore City as classism. This really is a disturbing case, especially because the more you look, the more you find. The more I search, the more this man should not have been out of prison ever. He, he did eight years, seven years of his sentence for rape, for a man, for, from a woman who didn't want to testify because she didn't want to relive the trauma and agreed to the plea deal. The judge said, you deserve an egregious amount of time for this, but for the safety of, of the victim, are you going to go to court? Yes. So he wasn't sentenced yet? No. Why is it important that you be there? Because I want him to see that I'm stronger than what he thought. I want him to see that I'm still here and that what he did will not define who I'm, who I am and who I'm going to continue to be after what happened and that I made it out. How did your mother react? How did your father react? How did your friends react? They were traumatized to say the least. My mother is filled with anger. My father is filled with anger. My stepmom is filled with anger. My friends are and were paranoid for a very long time. Just knowing that someone could do something like this to someone and for to, no reason. And to know that he's still up there. Mm -hmm. Even my family in other states were paranoid.
locking doors, checking, you know, making sure that they're not walking anywhere alone, carrying weapons just to make sure that they're safe because of people like him. You had nightmares. I still do. What 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 are what are some of the things that um you see in those dreams? I've had dreams of him being in my father's house, um, coming through the window. I've had dreams of me waking up to a gun in my face. I've had dreams of me being on fire and waking up so hot that I was sweating. Like, I really felt like these dreams were real. I've had dreams that I heard someone knocking at the door and there was no one there. Why did you survive? God willingly. I... I just did what what I could do. I did I did nothing but everything to to make sure that I made it out. And God said it just wasn't my time. Why do you think this happened to you? Because there's a lot of things in life that I've tried to take control over, but God showed me that he's in control. And this happened to me because I was strong enough to go through it. When you say things you, that you try to take control over, what do you mean? Suicide. I've tried to take my own life multiple times and being at the mercy of someone else's hands is different. Here you are trying to sort of tell God when it's your time and God spares you. And then someone else comes along and tries to tell you it's your time. And all you want to do is survive. I guess this gives you like the new appreciation over, over your life because, I don't know, that, that woman in that basement, she didn't want to go. She wasn't ready. What do you tell people? What type of precautions do you take now? Um, don't be afraid to ask for any identification when someone is working on your home. Don't be afraid to make sure that they are who they say they are, to do your own homework on these people that are entering your home, even if you're not there. 
there's a lot of people that have maintenance people that may come when their children are home or you know when a young lady or a young man is home alone by themselves and you know the maintenance man may be in the other room or in the bathroom or the kitchen and these people have access to your homes so just making sure that you're in touch with the leasing office or whoever your landlord may be and don't be afraid to do your homework on these people because you never know who they're hiring. What did you feel when you found out he was finally apprehended? I'm sorry? What did you feel when they finally caught him? I felt relief, but I also felt angry because they should have gotten him prior to someone losing their life. And it, it, was, it was easy, they just locked him up. Anne-Marie Nieper spoke about Jason being released after her raping. Um, only serving a nine-year sentence. She was unable to go to court because of the trauma and other circumstances. She says, when I heard the words blunt force trauma, it all came flooding back. I can remember how hard those hits felt, how his dick got harder the more he hurt me. Anne-Marie told the Daily Mail in an interview. On first impression, he looked like a nice man. He came and sat down and introduced himself as Jason. He had seen I was upset, and he said, I live across the street, why don't you come in? Jason said he had locked himself out of his own home, and him and Ann had to go in the house through a window. They later found out that it was an abandoned home that he had already scouted and she didn't think anything was strange because it was compliant it was a common place for addicts and homeless people that live in abandoned homes in a drug ravaged west baltimore he was friendly he made jokes but when i went to the bathroom he kept knocking on the door he pushed the door open and he was standing there in just his boxers when she tried to grab her purse and leave, Jason flew in a violent rage. I didn't even make it to the other side of the doorway. He was holding me up with one hand and he was hitting me with the other. My legs were dangling and kicking in the air. He was choking me so hard that all I wanted to do was breathe. Uh, that happened nine years ago. Sixteen years his sentence was suspended. And like we said, he got good credit for the time that he was serving. I sit back and I think about your tale. And we sit back and we say, well, this could have been avoided if they just had. But then we go back further. And then yours could have been avoided if he had just served the proper amount of time that he was supposed to serve. Mm -hmm. 
that this criminal system that we have, I always say it's not perfect, but it's what we have. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. But it's just certain crimes, certain crimes, we got to just, so they're pushing for a bill to be passed. Um, did, you, did you see that? They're pushing for a bill to be passed that um, anyone that has these violent rape crimes, they have to, there is no good credit, there is no good behavior, they have to see the extent of, uh, the, the, the DA said when uh, Jason is charged that they are going to push for life without the possibility of parole. And you will be there in court. What do you want people to know about you? But through everything that I've been through, I still show love and I keep my faith strong in God. I love my daughter to death and I would do anything for her. I love my family and my friends. And I just want to live be here to be able to tell my story and to be here for others and make an impact on the world. I cannot express how brave, bold, fearless, even you coming all the way out here to New York City to sit down with me and do this interview. I know it's been a long time coming, um, but I'm just grateful that you, you, you saw my platform as a place that you felt comfortable enough to tell your story. It's a power, powerful story. And I think that, well, I know that it'll change many lives. Uh, I feel like we have a lot to get to. We just getting started. Was your vocal cords affected? Was your voice affected? Do you talk differently? So I don't talk differently. Um, my vocal cords weren't hit by the knife, um, but I had a very bad, like sore throat from the smoke inhalation and the tube, um, the breathing tube that was in the, from the um, coma. You have a passion for song. Yes. I hear he hasn't taken your voice. No. Why don't you leave us with a song? Maybe one of your favorites. Okay. <clears throat> Time on my hands. Oh, I love this song. Since you've been away, boy, I ain't got no plans. No, 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 no. And the sound of the rain against my window pane is slowly, is slowly driving me insane. Boy, I'm going down. I'm nervous. Down I'm going down. Because you ain't around, baby. My whole world's upside down. This is Trapping Anonymous. My name is Chris Styles. Let's get it.